Hey everyone, I am Reva and just want to take a moment and thank you for listening to our studio podcast. Although we are here in Greenville, South Carolina, we are grateful for your support to see the message of Jesus go out all over the world. In case you are not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our podcast bio. We hope you enjoy this week's talk and it encourages you and it helps you to be the human God designed you to be. So with that, let's get right to it. We're going to jump into today. We are actually going to do Holy Spirit 3 today. And I have no idea how long this is going to go. And it doesn't matter, to be honest with you. It can go for the rest of the year or it could end today. And we're excited. This has actually been a really fun few weeks of just talking about one specific topic. That the topic itself, it's infinite. It's, it's incredibly expansive. There is no end to it. Um, and at the same time, I want to do my very best to continue to lay a foundation. And so if you're joining us midstream, this is actually week three of a now three-week series on the topic of the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit. And I have vacated the preaching mode and style on this topic and gone more to a study approach on this topic. And the reason is, I don't want it to be incredibly abstract. If you know me at all, I love being abstract. I love talking in dimensions and inviting you into other ways to see things. But with this specific topic, I wanted to be really clear, foundational, and approach it more from a study angle and perspective. So if you are joining us midstream, I would highly encourage you to go listen to part one and part two. They're very foundational and will continue to lay this foundation For a quick review, week one, we we basically created a framework to help everyone to understand they are on their own journey when it comes to the Holy Spirit. All the way from you don't believe there's a Holy Spirit, you may not even believe there's a God, all the way to people that have fully embraced the Holy Spirit in every aspect of their life. And some of you hear about the Holy Spirit say, I don't I don't know what to do with that. Is that for me? Had that already happened? So we've got people in all walks of life, and that's the beauty of this room, is we have such a multi-dimensional room on so many different levels, and one of them is this area of our own personal understanding and experience and perspective and, honestly, opinions on the Holy Spirit. So the first week, we just laid a foundation, and the whole goal of week one is to invite everybody into a deeper understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit. And my heart was, no matter where you're at in your own journey, that you be willing to link up with others and we become a train, if you will, of different cars that are going in the same direction on this topic of the Holy Spirit. So the first week was really just covering some Old Testament moment where the Spirit of God came into someone's life and something amazing happened, some of the most amazing stories in the earlier parts of scripture are because the spirit of God came upon someone or filled someone to complete an insane task. You have Samson, you have Gideon, you have all these different individuals. David even talks about it. And all of those were precursors and the way I described it, they're trailers, they're huge, they're hints about what's to come and what was to be expected to be normal, the normal Christian life is this life that is empowered by the Spirit of God. And the key verse in week one was this, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 
chapter. That was week one. Week two, we basically talked about the Apostle Paul's perspective and his language and teachings around the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about Luke, the Apostle Luke's perspective and language around the Holy Spirit. And why did I pick those two and not anyone else? Because those two predominantly make up most of the conversations and writings and teachings and accounts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Roughly about 30% Paul wrote about and 30% Luke wrote of the New Testament. And they both talk about the Holy Spirit. But they both have a unique perspective on the Holy Spirit. They weren't in competition. They weren't against. They just had two different experiences, genuinely speaking, when it came to the Holy Spirit. Paul's emphasis on the Holy Spirit was the Spirit of God comes into you so you can become a new creation. It is impossible to follow Jesus without the Spirit of God in your life. So Paul emphasized that pretty intensely. And I would propose this part, what I'm about to say, is my opinion. Paul was interacting with people on such a scale that were converting from other religions and cults and beliefs, and they're moving over, and even paganism, moving over into Christianity. And as they're moving over, he's having to give them an understanding. The Spirit of God is what's going to strip away all these parts of your life that were a part of you before you met Jesus. But after you meet Jesus, you become a new creation. So some of the practices, the beliefs, the ways of life that you live prior to meeting Jesus is not a part of who you are in the new creation. So that's Paul's very strong emphasis. Luke had a slightly different emphasis. Luke's emphasis was more around the idea of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes in you, it's actually an empowerment. You're able to do things that are not humanly possible. For example, when you pray for the sick and someone gets healed, it's not you, but it is the spirit in you that causes that. I can't humanly heal someone. It's impossible. But with the spirit of God in my life, partnering with the Holy Spirit, it should be expected to see people get healed and set free. And one of the reasons I believe Luke emphasized more of the power part of the spirit is because he was a doctor. He was actually a physician. So what do you think he's looking at? He's looking at people that are sick, that are ill, that have disabilities, and so on and so forth. And he's looking at where did the spirit, what did the spirit have to say about this? And he would see people get empowered by the spirit of God, and he would see the physical healing, the miracles. So this is why when you read the book of Luke, Luke had the most accounts of miracles in his gospel compared to the other gospels. And so we spent week two primarily focusing on those two different perspectives. The challenge within the church is that we had usually picked one or the other, and we think that Luke and Paul are in conflict. We do not approach it from a it's either or. We emphasized on week two that it's a both and. The idea that it's both of these experiences and teachings of the Holy Spirit should create an expansive view and a perspective on the Spirit of God. So our approach was it's a both and instead of an either or. And we covered a lot more in week two, but you can go back and listen to those. Today we're going to go into um, continuing the same topic, but we're going to go into a specific emphasis, if you will, a specific road, a trail that I actually see. One of the joys of my heart is when I look out amongst 
us right now, and not even just on Sunday, but as I interact with you, even at baseball games and homes and dinner parties and all this stuff, some of you I see on the golf course. I mean, it just whatever it is, one of the joys, my chief joys right now, is looking at the hunger that's in people. The, this summer has been, for me, remarkable because it's, it's, there's a momentum that is stirring in our hearts and in this atmosphere the spiritual momentum and hunger, and it brings me so much joy. And so this topic is, is beautiful because it's an invitation for each one of us that are coming from different journey, different walks of life. I understand many of you were raised in environments that said this is not who God is or this is who God is. And yet we have so many different perspectives and backgrounds in this room alone it's, it's really, I, I love it. I love the multidimensional aspect of it. I love the diversity that's in this room because, because all of you are choosing to gather around Jesus and grow together. And that's one of the chief joys of my life right now. And so what I want to do, I want to just quickly remind you the Bible itself, whether you have the app or an actual physical Bible with you, that Bible was compiled and written by roughly around 40 different authors over the course of about 1,500 to 1,600 years in three different languages on three different continents. And most of the authors were, did not know each other, let alone alive at the same time. So the level of accuracy, the level of detail, the level of consistency when you have three languages, three continents, 1,500 years, and most of the authors could not compare their notes. Hey, what did you write? So let's make sure our notes are the same. There's no corroboration. There's no collaboration. There's no comparing notes. None of that is happening, and yet there's this seamless thread and emphasis throughout Scripture. It's remarkable. And I want to emphasize that because the Old Testament and if you have a slide in the back, go ahead and put that up. I, I wanted to put this in front of you. If you want to take a picture, please do. This is just for you to see it. And if you are, if you are a note taker, these are the kind of talks that you love. If you're not a note taker, become one quickly. Take a picture of this in your notes app and then write notes alongside of it. Let's take a moment to talk about this slide that's in front of you. The Old Testament was almost entirely written in the Hebrew language. Some parts of it were written in Aramaic. But the Hebrew language is the dominant language of the Old Testament, which is a huge span of time. So the Hebrew word from spirit is ruah. And we would normally say it ruach. But ruah, and there's a lot of air at the end of that word, ruah. That's the Hebrew word for spirit. The Hebrew word for sacred is kadesh. So this is where you get the, the, the word Holy Spirit. is ruah kadesh, the sacred or the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. That was the most common language at the time in the eastern part of the Mediterranean world. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with Scripture, the Old Testament is the book of Genesis all the way to the last book of the Old Testament was the book of Malachi. When you start in Matthew, Matthew all the way to the book of Revelation is the New Testament, and that was written in Greek because that was the common language at that time. So the Hebrew and Greek translation for spirit in the Greek is pneuma. This is where we get our words pneumatic. For contractors in here, you have a pneumatic gun. That is an air gun. The word pneumatic is the idea of air, breath, wind. 
This is where you get the word pneumonia. It's the disease of the lungs, which has to do with air. So I want to put this in front of you because I want to understand that when you are reading in the Old Testament and the New Testament, these are the key words that you're looking for. Now, in some of your books, um, when you, some of your Bibles or commentaries, you'll notice Ruah has a capital R or it's a lowercase r. We're going to get into that in just a minute. When there's an uppercase spirit in the Bible, it's referring to God. When it's a lowercase spirit, it's not referring to God. So when you read your scriptures, you can start to see this in the English translation, but if you look at the Hebrew and the Greek, you'll start seeing that as well. Now, let's talk about the word ruah. This word is, is, has so many layers and dimensions, and there's not enough time today to even go into every layer, but I want to reveal some layers and dimensions of the ruah, which is the, the Hebrew word for spirit. The meaning of this Hebrew word is breath, it's wind, or spirit. And the idea, the broad definition is the pneuma, the ruah, refers to a life force. In scripture, the word is both applied to human beings and to God. Nothing can exist on its own. Everything needs some ruah to actually exist. Now, you can find a couple of verses in Scripture. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, God breathed into Adam's nostrils. The word that's used there is God's ruah filled Adam's lung, gave him life. So ruah isn't just the presence of God. It's actually the existence of air, of wind. So this is why when you study the Holy Spirit, the word wind and spirit and pneuma, all these all these abstract words, it's because that's the definition of the word itself. It's God breathed into Adam's nostrils. Now here's another verse for you. Job chapter 27 verse 3 says this. Job mentioned the same breath of life as that which keeps him alive. He says this in Job 27.3, as long as my breath is in me and the spirit or the ruah of God is in my nostrils. So Job, Job understood this, that the ruah of God, the spirit, the life force that God breathes into me is what makes me stay alive. So the fact that you're breathing air today is because the ruah of God initiated that in your very life. It's actually quite cool when you think about it. When a baby comes out of a womb, it's a big deal that the baby begins to breathe. Because without the breath, the baby will not make it. So it's a beautiful imagery of that our own existence, the very ability to be alive and what separates us from anything that's dead is the ruah of God is what fills our lungs. What's really fun too is God's breath is also his creative power. The holy ruah is also responsible for all that was created in the heavens and the earth and even the spirit of man. Another layer to this word that I want to emphasize is actually more amazing. It's, it's the new man that is created when a person trusts in Christ for salvation. And this is what Paul was talking about. When you put your faith in Christ, the ruah of God comes in and makes something that was dead and old makes it new and alive. As you continue this thought of the ruah or the spirit of God, it starts to introduce you to the idea that when Jesus died, he had to be raised from the dead. What raised him from the dead? The ruah of God. 
The Spirit of God brought Jesus back to life. So I want you to understand something. The Spirit of God is what makes dead things alive. If your marriage is dead, guess what makes it alive again? Not a counselor. Not you. Now, you have your part in the conversation. But guess what? It is actually the Spirit of God that brings all dead things back to life. When you come in the area of physical healing, when someone is dead, what breaks them raised from the grave is the Ruach, the Spirit of God that brings life. So I want you to remember that when there's something dead in your life, guess what? Spirit of God, would you come and make this alive again? Some of you have been in that space in your life where you just feel dead and flat. You feel like, I'm just flat. I don't feel alive. Guess what? The Spirit of God is what breathes life into you and makes you alive again. The Ruah of God creates life wherever it is, wherever it hovers, and wherever it inhabits. Let me say it again. The Ruah of God creates life wherever it is, wherever it hovers, and wherever and whatever it inhabits. You can see this in Genesis, and you can see this in the gospel with Jesus' mother, Mary. I'm going to read you a couple passages. You can write these down. I'm just going to read them to you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We read this on week one, that creation, that there was just void, and the Ruah of God is just hovering. And I, I want to see the movie someday. I want to see what was that? What was that like? Is it pitch black? I mean, could you see anything? I mean, what? I just can't wait to ask God these questions. What was going on? And as the spirit hovered, and guess what happened after this verse? God said, let there be light. And all of a sudden, creation become awake, would begin created. It was the spirit of God. It was the Ruah of God that was creating. So when God is hovering over you, Get ready. If the Spirit of God can create a universe, imagine what the Spirit of God can do in your life. And yet we think so small. Amen. I should give that kid the mic. He gets it. So I want to expand you. I want you to expand your understanding of the Spirit of God. Remember this. When you feel like God can't do this, wait. God hovered and the universe came out of that. Remember that. that that's pretty remarkable. The standard's high of what's possible. And it's not some made-up futuristic thing. It's already happening. We're living in the middle of it. The Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God hovers, universes are created. Now, in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. It is obviously in the gospel. We're jumping ahead. The angel answered, they're talking to Mary, the mother of Jesus, before she became pregnant. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
So the idea is this, the Holy Spirit said, the Spirit's coming upon you, Mary, and my Spirit is going to overshadow you. And as a result of that, she, con she conceived. It's one of the most phenomenal stories in all of Scripture. And Jesus was conceived, and eventually over time, she gave birth to Jesus. So when the Spirit overshadows you, life is created. I want you to make this strong connection with the Spirit of God, the Ruah, the breath of God. It's not just oxygen in your lung, but it's life is created. Universes are created. Now in Psalms 51, this is actually the other side. It's actually a really sad story, but this psalm is the psalm that David wrote or sang or said out loud when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And the prophet Nathan God speaks to the prophet and come to David, and David at first denies it, but then he finally confesses, and the prophet Nathan just lays into him for committing this adultery and lying to God. And this is what David wrote in verse 10 of chapter 51. He said, create in me a pure heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Notice in the verse there is a the lowercase spirit. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit or your Ruach Kadesh from me. David is now face to face with his own sin and mortality. And in that moment, he said, God, don't take your Ruach Kadesh from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's keep going. The origins of Jesus, the very origins of Jesus is because of the Ruah overshadowed Mary. And when Jesus, when he's around 30 years old, he goes down to the river to get baptized. When he goes down to the river, he gets baptized by John the Baptist and John the Baptist baptized him. When he pulled him up out of the water, Every, this was a very different baptism than the thousands of people that John had baptized. In this moment, the heavens opened, a dove descended upon Jesus. You, you may ask, why a bird? Why a dove? Because God hovers, he overshadows. So the New Testament imagery is actually a dove, this idea of hovering, idea of overshadowing, of almost a floating, a floating essence. And then the voice said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So the next three years is what we read about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about what we call the ministry of Jesus. What he did in his life is because the spirit of God, the Ruah of God created that. Are you guys still with me? I want to just take a moment. We have a few more things to do before we wrap up today. I want you to understand that you have a Ruah inside you and then there's the God's Ruah. Let me say it this way. You have a spirit, your own. It's you. And then you have the spirit of God. Understanding this, and we can't go into the depths of this, and I know many of you are going to ask a lot more questions. And again, this, it excites me that this just gets you to think about things a little bit differently. But when God's spirit comes in you, the goal and the heart at the essence of God's spirit is to make your spirit like his this is the journey. Have you noticed that when you got saved and you invited God in your life, all your problem didn't go away? 
And this is where people get confused. Like, I thought I was a new creation. I thought all that stuff would stop. It's called a journey. It's called life. And if you're giving up after five years or giving up after three months or giving up after 20 years of journeying with God, you've missed the whole point. The God spirit is in the process of converting every square aspect of who you are. So understand, you have a spirit, and God is wanting to completely consume that spirit with his. This is important because oftentimes we go, is that the spirit of God talking, or is that Eric talking? Is this thought I'm having, is this the God's thought, or is this my thought? Now, when it's a bad thought, no one goes, I wonder if that was God. But let's talk, about the, let's talk about the thoughts and ideas and motivations that we have. We're like, is this me or is this God? This is that journey of God's spirit is occupying the entire space of who you are as a human being. I just want to leave that hanging for a little bit. I want you to think about that on your own, and we'll probably tackle it more in the weeks to come. If I could have Abby, she has no idea I'm calling her out now. If I could have Abby, uh, <laughs> Bailey, are you here? Bailey, where are you at? Yeah, your husband. He's not here. Okay, never mind. He, he's out with the kids. Tristan, I see you. Tristan, come on up. Abby, come on up. All right, I need one more person. Don't duck behind somebody. <laughs> Do not disappear. All right, let's go with uh, Josh Lechleitner. All right. Okay, guys, why don't you stand right here? Come over here. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, Josh, stand right here. Josh is going to be the father, God. Okay? You represent God. Abby, you're the Holy Spirit, okay? And then you're Jesus. I want you guys to grab hands and form a circle. And I want you to stare deeply into each other's eyes. <laughs> and let it be so natural. <laughs> this is the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is no other example in all of the universe of perfect union, of perfect love. There is nowhere else to find perfection in union, in communion, and in love and exchange. You can't find it anywhere in the universe. And as a human being, it was never designed for me to observe this. It was never meant for us to just go, look at that. Isn't that amazing? I mean, look at the, the natural, how they're holding their hands so naturally. <laughs> sort of, but we get the point. And look how they're gazing into each other, the joy that's on their faces. It was never meant to be observed. That was never the intent. This was the intent. The intent was for me and you to be in the midst of this perfect union, this perfect love, to experience what the three of them are, are experiencing and expressing towards each other through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a very relational dynamic. This is what God had in mind. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Give them a hand. Okay, give me three or four more minutes and I'll let you go. 
When we talk about the Holy Spirit, some of us approach the Holy Spirit like we're going to the DMV. <laughs> it's sterile. We get in line. Okay, we follow the ropes and all the tape sign. Okay, which, okay door four. And we, and we get so sterilized. We get so paranoid. And we don't feel like it's an invitation to relationship. And we're just waiting in line at a government office, the DMV. You pick whatever it is. And we're so sterile. And today, if I could do anything today, is to change your perspective that the union, the perfect union, the communion between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you would experience the relational dynamic of that. The Holy Spirit is meant to be in relationship with, not just observed. Three takeaways for today, and we're going to wrap it up for today. The first takeaway is this. I want you to expand your understanding of God's desire for you. There's a term called linguistic relativity. Don't let that trip you up. But there's a phrase it's called linguistic relativity. Let me tell you what it means. If you're familiar with this principle, it states that the way people think of the world is influenced directly by the language that you use to talk about it. The idea is this, that whatever language you've been taught, inherited over the course of your life, actually shapes your belief in something or your understanding in something. Some of you have been taught about the Holy Spirit a certain way, and it had actually created a limitation to your experience and your perspective on the Holy Spirit. And some of you have very little information, and some of you have lots of information. So keep in mind that your own experience, whether it started right now or it started years ago in your life, and again, we have people from all different experiences, Keep in mind that your understanding of the Holy Spirit is actually limited by the words, the language, the understanding that you currently have right now. And what's my point? There's more. So don't sit here and say, I've got it figured out. I've got it buttoned up in a nice little box. No, the Holy Spirit's infinite. This is why it's wind. It's pneuma. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. But it comes, and when it comes, it rearranges everything. So continue to lean into expanding your understanding of God's desire for you. Second one, express your personal desire to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. What did this look like? Go home today. Take five minutes and say, God, I might not understand this part of you, or some of you might be like, God, I have seen this part of you, and it's just weird. I've gone to this church 10 years ago, and they were doing some really weird things with the Holy Spirit. Or some of you are like, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm just going to speak into the air, and hopefully something out there hears me. Wherever you may be at, express a desire for the Holy Spirit to be in your life. Stir up some hunger and desire to actually be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. How long should I do that, Eric? I don't know. Just keep doing it. This is what makes the book of Acts so dynamic because they waited in the upper room. They just waited. They were leaning and they were posturing themselves. They said, God, come. Come. How many times do I say come? I don't know. You just, God, come. 
Holy Spirit, come. We, I, I want you in my life. To express a hunger. The third area, the third takeaway, remain humble about this journey of God's ruah and your own ruah. So learn language like this. I think God said this. There are a lot of really overconfident believers when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to diminish that. I don't want to diminish like, oh, you don't know what you're talking. I don't want to imply that. But we need to be a little bit more humble about this reality. Of like, yeah, is this me? Is this God? I don't know, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best and say, I think God said this. And this is the big deal when you start getting into other realms of spiritual dynamics. Because if you're not able to be tested, then you become an isolated island. And you start creating an isolated little world that only your God. God told me this. That didn't matter. It didn't matter what you tell me. This is what God said. This happened on a very pastoral level quite frequently. So God told me to marry this person, but I want to know what you think. Um, I don't think you really want to know what I think. Because you already have a date on the calendar. You're getting married. But yet you want me to potentially, perhaps, go against what you said is actually God. And we're going to talk more about that dynamic, but the takeaway today is this. Be more humble about this part. I know I made a reference to marriage, and you might wonder why, because it happens a lot. So this reality of God's spirit in you and your own we are all on a journey of learning what's God, what's not God, what's the mixture, and what's flesh, and what's spirit. Be more humble about this. Carry a posture of humility when you start walking in these things. Why don't you stand? We're going to close it right there. Thanks for listening to today's talk. If you're interested in learning more about Studio here in Greenville, you can go check out our website, studiogreenville.com, and you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is studio.greenville. Have a great week.